We're the Pragmatic Doulas. This is a podcast where we talk all about birth and other interesting things. Birth may be a goddess, but she doesn't want to be worshipped. She wants to be respected. She doesn't want incense. She wants common sense. All right, here we are. We're back. Trying this remotely. The goat has started the show. This is the first time that we've done a three-way. A three-way? What? Yes, sir. Just, just waiting for Stephanie to jump in on that one. <laughs> but we're all clothed. We're all clothed. It's a very decent three-way. We're all in our houses, our cozy houses, because the roads are treacherous, and it's blowy and snowy and gross outside. And we don't want to go out. No, we don't. I, got, I took a shower. I am clean. And then I, so I got out of my nighttime pajamas, took a shower, and now I'm in my daytime pajamas. <laughs> Look at us. We're so fancy. <laughs> we work from home. We're doulas. You know, like, I was looking sure. at um, pictures. Of some, you know, my, I follow some of my clients on Instagram. And I have this one family who just, they don't do casual. Nothing is casual. All of their clothes, even when, like, right after the baby was born and she was at home, she always was just draped in some sort of, like, silk or a lovely linen that just fell across her beautifully. And it, it was effortless. And even when I see her now, I saw pictures of her out at the beach in Dubai. And she was just wearing this lovely little, I don't even know, chiffon top with yeah, yeah. A, a light linen skirt. I don't understand people who, for whom that is effortless. I, it would take every ounce of energy I have in my body to, to be fancy like that every day. I mean, wow. And for her, it's not fancy. That's her comfort. That's just normal. Yeah. Normal. Chiffon, silk, flowy things. That's just normal. Okay. Yeah. It's amazing. If it can't go in the washing machine, I ain't wearing it. That's kind of how I feel too. Like I'm very now that need to be hand washed or dry cleaned. And I keep passing them every day, giving them like a dirty look because who the fuck do you think you are? I mean, I'm not going to hand wash it. <laughs> I'm just not. Yeah. I'm not fancy. I'm just trying to get my coat to not like be too tight. <laughs> As I'm, as I'm trying to shovel my way out of my house, I'm, yeah, that's it. I just care about comfort. That's it. And I, I don't know, do I wish that I was comfortable in linens and beautiful things that hung from my body? Maybe. Well, I appreciate, you know, being stylish and looking put together when necessary, but I don't think I need to be like that all the time. There's a time and a place. There just is a time and a place. That's my style philosophy. Time and a place. Sounds if good to me. Any whining or like slight groaning sounds. It is not me. It is Winston who is across my lap sleeping at this time. Yes, I heard the snore. So, so did I. I'm trying to shuffle him a little further over. So it's not Jack this time. It's not Jack this week. No. We've got other pets around. Give me a second. I'm going to try to move him a little bit. There's a lot of dogs. So you guys have done this Zoom meeting thing before with just the two of you when I was away, right? Yes. yes. 
and it, and it works pretty well. It worked okay. The sound wasn't great, but it is what it is. You're going to get what you get. Don't get upset. <laughs> That's right. Just like in kindergarten. Yep. Yeah. So, um, can we do an HP check-in? Absolutely. Check-in. Absolutely. I want everybody to give themselves a score for each. Well, my health priority categories are food, movement, and sleep. Those are my, I don't know if you guys had, had added other ones for yourselves, but those are my three things. So I want to hear your numbers for those three things. Like how do you, what kind of number would you give yourself for eating for this week? Scored out of what? Ah, uh, 10, let's say. 10 being perfect, absolutely perfect. You ate really well all week long, didn't deviate from your intentions and you're very, you're feeling really proud of yourself from last Thursday when we first brought it up. All right, for food, I'm going to go eight and a half, nine. Mm, very good. Pictures of your food, Kim. Yeah, everything yeah. else is a zero. <laughs> <laughs> food and sleep are zero, or movement and sleep are zero. I have not moved my ass whatsoever. Mm. And my sleep has been incredibly shitty because of this stupid blood pressure medication I'm on, mm. making me cough all night long. So no sleep. I think last last week you hadn't uh, started the the blood pressure medication. I had just started it. I got it on Wednesday, so I just started okay, it just the started night before. It. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So a week later, I'm now on a new one. Yeah, because it wasn't working for you. Yeah. Okay. Mm hmm. I see. Okay. Well. Uh. So eight baby and steps. a half out of thirty baby steps. <laughs> totally baby steps. How about you, Miss? Miss Mississauga? Miss Mississauga. For food, I'd say eight out of 10. Um, yeah. a good week. And I really enjoy the food that I eat. So I, I think that really helps that I really enjoy the shit that I eat. It doesn't feel like I'm dieting or anything like that. I always make sure what I'm eating, I'm enjoying. Mm. Um, it's not like when the kids were little and I was eating the scraps off their plates regularly. Oh God, yes. Remember that? Just when you're clearing the table, they didn't pick up then. It's just, it was just easier to eat that rather than think about making myself a meal at lunchtime. Yeah. <laughs> I'm past that now. I I'm lost a lot of weight on that diet. <laughs> really? I ate my regular lunch and all the crap that, that they left that, behind. That, I gained like 30 yes. pounds. That's the, that's the, that's the ticket. Then I started doing that. I said, I'm not doing that. I deserve to sit down too. But then I didn't stop eating their leftovers. Exactly. I'm not throwing that chicken finger away. Do you know how much that chicken finger cost? <laughs> yep. That was the problem. Yeah. How about uh, movement? Sleep. Um, sleep yeah, sleep. has been, again, I'd say eight out of 10. It was, it's more challenging on the days. Roger's been gone for three days. So when he's gone, I'm a bit more twitchy, mm. uh, like up for an hour or something in the middle of the night and then back to sleep. But other than that, very good. I've been sticking to going to bed between 10 and like heading to my bed at 10. Yeah. But this new med that I'm on, I only took it that one time I told you guys. Yeah. Um, and I fell asleep 15 minutes later. I was like, I can't take that during the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Made you really drowsy. So it's a good nighttime. nighttime. It's a good nighttime thing. But yeah, during the day, it's not going to be an option. And movement, I'd say five out of 10. I've done my movement and... Uh, not to the extent that I know that I can, not the commitment I know that I can. 
and I prioritize other things over top of it, but I have been up and moving again in a way that I enjoy moving. Beauty. How about you, Miss HP Corner? HP Corner for me, food has been mostly good, but not fantastic. So I would say seven and a half. To be honest, I've had a few, um, a couple of overeating things. So everything I've eaten has been good, wholesome, not processed, like real food. So that's that I get full score on, but a couple of times that I've eaten too much of those really good things. And um, I have a couple of times I've had too many carbs for, for me, what I consider too many carbs for myself. So um, I would say seven and a half. And this is starting from like uh, last Thursday. So in terms of movement, I'm going to give myself a high score of nine because my intention was to reset my Fitbit, my my uh, ten thousand steps uh, goal, and I've been hitting it every day. It was kind of easy over the weekend because I I was teaching, so I just didn't sit down for the whole day, and that helped. So I got I think I did really good there. And sleep has been okay. A uh, couple of nights I did not. Oh, sorry. Bye. Sorry. I'm at home, so my kids are, <laughs> Daddy is leaving. Um, sleep has been okay. A couple of nights, I just got sucked into the vortex of Twitter and stayed up too late, so didn't go to sleep when I was supposed to go to sleep. Uh, also, I had a birth, and so I uh, came home from the birth at, you know, 5 a.m. Then my kid woke me up at 7, couldn't get back to sleep, so I got zero sleep that night. So my sleep score for the, the week so far is not that great because of interruptions and in life and me falling down the Twitter hole. So I'm only going to give myself about a, a five and a half <laughs> for sleep. Yeah. So yeah, that's it. And we move on. I mean, my thing is I, I, I really need to lose weight and I have uh, I made the weight speech last week and um, I have all I, my goal is to lose like a pound a week. Like how much slower can you get than that? So, and, and I've done that already. Like I've weighed myself, which I never do, but I did. And I've already hit that, that one pound goal for the week. So I'm good. I just gotta, you know, don't fuck up for the rest of the week. That's yeah. reasonable. Now, what do you guys use to help yourselves get to sleep? When we talk about the sleep segment, I think all of us have the habit of our brain just going on overdrive if we leave it alone. And I know each of us uses something a little bit different to help get into sleep. Yeah. What's your um, thing? Are you the calm girl? Kim is, I think. You use yeah. calm. Yeah. I read and then I put on a sleep story. Yeah. I've never heard one completely. Because it works so well. Yeah. I usually pass out right away. But I think reading also beforehand helps so yeah. no no screen for like yes. half an hour or so yes um things like that so that's been helpful and the books i've been reading or the book i'm reading now is very lighthearted, so it isn't certainly taxing on my brain yeah i i agree i heard, i know that that helps me uh i just have such a hard time putting my phone down if i want to go to sleep at 10 i need to put my phone down at nine and I have a book that I, I need to be reading for my book club. 
staring at me on my night table while I'm scrolling through whatever. But yes, I use, I reading is reading beforehand. And then I put friends on friends, the old 90s sitcom friends. I put that on, on Netflix and I just turn my phone down, like down so that the light is not lighting up the room. And I just listen to the show. I just listen to it and I'm asleep and Netflix will, it shuts off after like two episodes. It, it'll say, are you still there? And I don't answer and it shuts off. So, um, that's for me I'm- with reading, I have a, I've been setting book goals for myself. So that's, yeah, okay. that's helped me not, that's helped me listen or yeah. read as opposed to scrolling through. Yes. I've set book goals also. Um, and I need to stop allowing myself to get sucked in to social media. Oh my God. It's really, I need rehab. <laughs> bad. Very bad. Mm-hmm. Dan needs a program. Mm-hmm. Y'all are coming for a walk with me. Okay. Good. And you use Headspace? No, I use um, Jason Stevenson. He, I don't know who that is. Uh, yeah, who is that? He's on YouTube, so a lot of people can buy, you can buy his shit, or you can take consultation with him and shit. But, um, who the fuck is my purse? Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, Jason Stevenson, he, uh, yeah, so he does talk downs. It's called uh, Sleep Meditations. So it's like sleep stories, only it starts with a very conscious kind of body release. Mm-hmm. And then it moves on to setting the stage for like a sleep story. Like, but you're the one in the story. Mm-hmm. And it, they run anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour or sorry, 30 minutes to eight hours. Eight hours. Well, because sometimes what they do is they um, they become music. So after there's a particular gigahertz of music that would be helpful with sleep. Yeah, but if you've got to listen to eight hours of, of that, then clearly it's not working because that's a night's sleep, eight hours. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you need ambient. It helps keep you asleep, right? Because it acts like the white noise. Oh, oh so it goes through okay i see if i start coming up out of sleep and i hear the same music it's like yeah. a baby you know they hear the same trigger that puts them that put them to sleep in the beginning if i start hearing it it starts lulling me right down into sleep and i don't come fully awake i see okay oh interesting i'm i'm i i'm uh i like my method because it work so quickly like calm when i listen to the calm stories yeah i listen to the first part of it and i'm out uh if if i needed something that if it was going to take me an hour or so to fall asleep then okay yeah it would make sense to um listen to something like that 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 has like a longer program yeah yeah. Mm. and it doesn't usually it's more for when my brain is racing and it comes in and out a few times of that sleep like i'm on the cusp of it and then something happens if I'm having that night, it's good that I have that because it puts me right back down into sleep and I don't start thinking about something else. The thing with me is the more good, the more nights of good sleep I get, the harder it is to get a good night's sleep. Really? I mean, yes. Yeah. So if I get like when, when I had that birth and then I didn't get any sleep that night or day, that night I slept for nine hours. 
because I was so tired. And then the next day I slept for seven, which is good. That's my goal. And then after that, it starts getting harder and harder to get like a really good solid sleep. More rested I am, the harder it is to It's weird. I, I need to really work hard in the day and, and that gets me a good next day. Because when I was on holidays, we walked so much. So by nine o'clock, I was out and I would sleep like hard straight through the night. And that's what I need. And I just don't get that in my regular life. I don't get enough sunshine. I don't get enough like, like solid movement. So anyways, oh, that's HP Corner. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> now we have another corner too that we were talking about. Facebook Corner. FB Corner. Yeah, because there's, there's always stuff going on. But I think it was actually IG Corner this week, isn't it? We had some drama oh, yeah. on the yeah, Instagrams. Yes, yeah. I had drama. Yeah. You created drama. You know what? I did not create drama. Somebody took what I said and created drama from what I said. Correct. You, so yeah. All you did was make a statement? Yeah. And, and, uh, and a statement that had your... Uh, your experience based on your our experience and somebody ran with it so for those that didn't listen I mean you can find it on my on the Toronto doula group Instagram but I'm not going to out this person who it is I'm not going to give audience to their issues but I had basically said that like as we discussed last week about breastfeeding that um you know, OBs and residents, as far as that goes, they need to stay in their lane when it comes to breastfeeding advice, because what is being given, particularly in Toronto, is outdated, antiquated information. So keep your expertise below the waist and stop. Mm -hmm. And this American uh, OB resident got all so pissy. Fed. And yes, yeah, yeah. she, she was offended, offended. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then went on this big rant. Yeah, she got into it with somebody else on my Instagram as well. Um, but then did her own sort of long ass post about um, how breastfeeding is within their lane and and all this stuff. And who's going to come with me? And da da da, and started spouting all this stuff. Yeah. And I'm like. So then I went back and said, apparently I've offended somebody. Sorry, not sorry. Because <laughs> what my issue is, don't get offended by what I said. Get offended, offended by the by, issue. By why I was upset. Yes. Yep. Get offended because I had to say this. Get offended by the system that's in place that got me to a point where I'm not talking just once. I'm talking multiple times. There have been issues. So that is what you should get upset about. If you are out there and you are an OB resident and you are getting the extra, extra education and you are getting all the information, you know, update evidence-based and looking at how to support new parents in breastfeeding, good on you. So goddamn phone. So you should be offended that your brethren are out there not doing that. Yes. Yeah, that's the part that sucks is she took she had this opportunity mm -hmm. to take this statement and say, 
absolutely. This is what I've experienced too. And so here's what I'm doing to make, make a difference. Here's what I'm hoping other OB residents, other obstet obstetricians in general will access. Well, but and apparently in her, in a post she posted in January, she stated that basically all she ever got in her training was anatomy and how to treat mastitis. She never got any other information about breastfeeding support. So she went out on her own and got that, which I think is great. Like that's amazing and good for you. But not everybody does that. You, my dear, are a unicorn. She is. And that's what she needs to take offense to. The fact that the, uh, the breastfeeding knowledge, not she's talking about lactation medicine. And we were talking about breastfeeding support which are yeah, the, exactly the thing. Uh, and she's 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 saying it is our lane it is our lane okay but it isn't in real life and the the result of that is that people are going home new parents are going home with with bad information bad advice uh, shitty guidance that's the issue that is the issue why not focus on that why I think that an appropriate response for her would be hey OBs my fellow sister OBs we should really take this seriously people are going home with shitty information let's make it our business to really educate ourselves about how to support our patients I want this to be my lane but I have to make a concentrated effort to make it my lane who's with me no yeah. instead she's She's taking She's offense to on me. That is actually a reality. Yeah, exactly. OBs do not. I was told. I have been told by nurses, midwives, that OBs, and I've seen it myself, the baby comes out, the baby goes to mom, and that's it. They're not interested in the baby. Well, this is what I've observed. It is literally it's not their lane. They not their specialty. That's right supposed to be their specialty and so when you don't know the answer to something instead of spewing something antiquated something you learned 30 years ago something you overheard someone else say it is okay as a professional to say that's really not my strength of knowledge but you know what we're going to call the lc in or i'll find out which one of our postpartum midwives or postpartum nurses uh, can help you with that yeah. it's okay it. to say you don't know it is that's okay right and it's okay to say it's not my lane and you, it doesn't have to be your lane. No, it doesn't and have people, to be. And people who are responding to her are, are like, they're missing the point. Somebody's yes. saying, yes, breastfeeding is about every physician should know how to manage. That's, but they we don't. all agree on that. The reality is that they do not. That's yes. what we're saying. And then somebody else is saying, of course, as an OBGYN, I, um, I send people for breast cancer screenings and I deal with, and I'm like, that is not breastfeeding That's support breastfeeding dealing support. with the physiology and the anatomy and the actual health of the breast is not breastfeeding support no. which is specifically what we're talking about exactly. we're not talking about breast cancer prevention or detection and treatment that's not what we're talking about yeah and we're there, not i'm not saying the breasts lane. are not within your lane what i'm saying is breastfeeding support is not within your lane yes and, yeah. and if and if you want to be in that lane fucking get the knowledge and we wish it was because, yeah. yes, as a lot of people are saying, oh, everybody should be on board with this. Uh, all doctors and LCs and pediatricians, yay, that would be a perfect world. We would all agree with <laughs> would that. We love it. But of course, it's not that the point that you made with your post is that that's not what's happening. And so if this not is the reality, reality and this is what we've heard, I've heard that OBs are not, are not interested really in the baby once the baby is born. 
They have As a matter of fact, in Ontario, they're not even all that interested in the mother until six weeks. Because yeah, exactly. clients were told, go to Emerge or go to your family doctor if your stitches break or something else happens. Don't come back to me. Go to Emerge or go to your family doctor. That is the system that we've set up. But yet we're supposed to believe that uh, breastfeeding is something you call your OB for? Mm. Oh, no. <laughs> that doesn't even, I can't even imagine a world where that would happen. Yeah. Yeah. So what was that? Never mind. I don't want to know. <laughs> so that was that was ig ig corner instagram corner social media corner the stupid craziness on uh the social medias yeah so go go to my instagram torontodulagroup.com and see the you can see the rigmarole um the ob resident didn't copy me in on their post um they decided to and they didn't name me in it either, which is fine, um, which is why I'm not naming them. Um, but you can see, somebody alerted me to it, um, but you can see all that rigmarole and do with that what you like. Yeah, yeah. And if you have a strong opinion one way or the other, we would, we would like to hear it. Email us. Absolutely. Pragmaticdoulas at gmail.com and let us know what your thoughts are about this because it is, it is a really big issue that affects our clients directly. And you may, if you are a doula who provides breastfeeding support for your clients, you're, you're, you're going to, or you have already encountered this, having to unravel and parse apart the information that uh, clients get in hospital from all the myriad of people that they encounter. And please share with us whether or not the OBs of your clients have anything to say about breastfeeding, about their breastfeeding. Let us know. Yeah, if they if your OBs that you encounter have made it their lane <laughs> or not, and uh, yeah, and learn everyone doulas, midwives, doctors, pediatricians, everyone should learn to say and get comfortable with saying, "I don't know." Yeah, I don't know. It's not my lane. <laughs> so <laughs> let's get you. Let's get you somebody. Or I just don't know. Lane it is. <laughs> It's not the thing I spend my time on. It's or I just don't know, but I know someone who knows because it's important. My area of expertise. But as it is, as it is a continuation of this journey that you're on, let me let me hook you up with a lactation consultant or a postpartum doula or something. Yeah, that's Suzanne Chick. Yeah, let's work as a team. Hmm. All right, we're ranty today. I love Feeling it. Feeling a little ranty today. I think it's the snow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of snow outside. Which yes. is why we're doing it like this today. Yeah. Look at us drinking water. Oh my gosh. We're so hydrating. Yay. Yay. Mine even has, look at that. A piece of lemon in it, like a fancy. I'm like your fancy lady who uh wears silk and linen. I drink water with lemon. <laughs> I'm sucking back coffee, so <laughs> I'm not part of that group. <laughs> Mm. I already had my coffee. So, uh, do we have an official topic for today, <laughs> or is it just rant day? Do you want to just rant? Does anybody have any other rants? We could call it rant day. Mm. I don't know. Did I? Has anything happened lately? I haven't left the house really. <laughs> no, I've only been pissing people off online. Well, well, very good. 
I can say, I can tell you a nice story from the last birth that I was at. It's not, it's not a rant at all. It's the opposite of a rant. Something that I thought was, was really uh, good that the, the hospital facilitated and the hospital um, uh, was open to. Okay. And then I have a, I actually have a birth story for today too. Okay. So I had a client who was a young indigenous woman and um the, one of the midwives that were involved in her care made arrangements. This is the amazing Jay McGillivray, who who is like a, the angel midwife, and um, made arrangements for another midwife, an Aboriginal midwife, to come to the hospital to do a smudge ceremony with her during her labor. Now, you you can't just light up sage. <laughs> in a hospital room. So the hospital A needs to be willing to uh, do certain things to allow you to do it. And St. Mike's totally open to that. The college engineering, they let us go into another room, um, uh, like a room that wasn't being used. And they turned off the, I don't know, some, some negative pressure thing uh, and turned it off so that we could have an open flame in the room. And uh, so we went into the room, um, uh, birthing person in a wheelchair, and uh, we went in there, did the smudge ceremony, and, and, and then went back to her regular birthing suite. And then the engineering, uh, you know, turned the whatever thingies back on. And I thought that was extremely um, thoughtful of them. Now, this goes to show you how surprised I am that this sort of accommodation is being made because I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed. It's not a, because it's not like an everyday thing. I'm, I always expect to be told, no, no, we can't do that. No, that's impossible. No, it's not. Now it might've been the presence of that midwife that I just mentioned because she is very well respected and she, and she does that sort of thing a lot to accommodate the clients that she works with. But I thought that was, I thought that was very cool. It was important to, uh, this birthing woman to have that ceremony done and it really helped her to feel centered and grounded and I really I thought that was awesome yes beautiful I'm so happy to hear that mm-hmm. that's well, amazing today is actually I can't see that happening at um, some other big fancy hospitals in Toronto where people birth out a lot mentioned but I can't see that happening there uh, I can I can really only see it happening at at St. Mike's, maybe St. Joe's, but I can't see it happening at Sinai. Or I, oh, God, I could no. be wrong and misjudging them, but I can't imagine it happening there. But I mean, would it even happen at St. Mike's again if Jay wasn't there? Good question. Good question. So Jay has done a lot of educating to the people who are who are there, and and they're just sort of used to her, and um, uh, and and her saying this is what we're going to do how can we make this happen <laughs> and they just like do it oriented right pardon solution oriented this is going to be yeah things yeah. we need to put in place to make it happen yeah solution oriented exactly yeah if you're going to put an obstacle in the way then you also need to tell me how i can move it out of the way yeah it's not permanent none of this shit is permanent but you know we were talking about a topic today being changes since we began our doula work. That's our official topic. Thank you for uh, bringing us back. (laughs) When my doula work started, that shit would not have happened. I don't see that happening. I I don't imagine that that would have happened either. 
no one would have been that kind. No one would have wanted to look for the solution back then, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that, <clears throat> well, I mean, I can speak for the hospital that Kim and I teach at, that there has been lots of change. There really, I've, yes. I've seen, seen some change there. As a matter of fact, um, somebody in my class this weekend asked me specifically that, um, in what ways, in what ways have you seen the hospital? Cause I think I mentioned that oh, things are different now. And she's asked me in what ways have you seen change? Um, and I can say over the last two, three years, would you say Kim? Mm, yeah. But I would say even more, but particularly in the last couple of years since, you know, yes. Dr. So-and-so left. <laughs> yeah, since we've had a new chief. Couple of years, things have changed. I, I just feel a difference in the attitude. Yes. I really feel it. And that same person in my class said to me that her doctor, when she came in, said, if you're going to come, if we don't do elective C-sections here, we just don't. So if you, we only do medically, and we've decided as a group of doctors that this is not something we do. I just want to say that right off the bat. So if that's something that you're looking for, you're going to have to go somewhere else because uh, we're not interested in that. And we, we do not work that way. And wow. we sat down together, like doctor, her doctor gave her this speech about how the doctors in this hospital are united on certain issues and elective non-medically necessary c-sections is one of them yes and, uh and i was like whoa she said that straight up she said yes and we only do and she talked about episiotomy she talked about the use of forceps and vacuum she talked about those big things right off the bat and said this is our stance on that and i was like what i was surprised that they said straight up we're reunited on our use of those things and that's our philosophy there you go. So do you still want to give birth here? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? When I started working at that hospital um, as a doula and coming in and, and, and supporting families, it was after, I think, the fourth or fifth C-section in a row. Oh, um, I went, yep, I'm out. Like, I can't, I can't be at this hospital anymore. Because I didn't know at the time if the reason for the C-sections was the hospital mm -hmm. or me. And I could only control one thing. Mm -hmm. um, and that one thing was me. So that's it. I can't, uh, I couldn't go on. And then when it came time, when you were looking for uh, someone to teach with you, and I was like, okay, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. Me, me, me. Put my hand up like 800,000 times. I think I sent you 500,000 emails. Um, but when I got there, I was like, God, I kind of feel like I sold my soul to the devil. Like, is this really what I should have done? Um, but in all in all honesty, I'm glad I did because, yeah, in the last, even when I started working there, things were different. But also when I, in the last couple of years since that one chief left, which has been great, uh, the interim chiefs that we had were better 
and uh and the current chief we have now is great i love yes. her yeah me too i loved her before she was the chief because she was mm. just one of the regular ob's and um and i loved her then too i loved her before she became the chief but i can i can i really actually like all the ob's there there's i mean there's the point, odd one that yeah. i'm like really uh -huh. you should retire <laughs> at this point um i really don't have a lot of uh criticisms about them too and i know a lot of doulas in toronto do not like this hospital and have a lot to say about it good leave it for us <laughs> stay away <laughs> but but I, I have to say that i have told i have seen changes there and you know it's that kind of thing where you like you love your country but you know it's you know the you know the, it, it needs help <laughs> it needs work and so you're not afraid to criticize it because that's the only way to get things done or to, to have any kind of changes to address the issues. If you, if you love your country, I've always said this, then you're going to face the reality of, of, of its, you know, bad history and current bad policies because you love it and you want it to be better. That's kind of how I feel about St. Mike's. Yeah. I, I want it to succeed. Half the time we say the name and half the time we say that hospital. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's where we work. So I yeah. honestly, I, I have the, I have this kindred affection for it. Like, I feel like it's yeah. my hospital. I feel like anybody who criticizes it, I want to punch them in the face. Yeah. So you don't I, know. Yeah, I feel, and it does so much. It's not a birthy hospital, but it does a lot for um, um, people who, like transient people who uh, need a place to sleep. I mean, you're not going to get that at other hospitals commitment no. to social programs like that there's so many so many so so i, feel I like always say like birth isn't birth isn't what we're known for but we're good at it mm -hmm. like we're known for so many other things mm -hmm. research and yeah helping helping trauma. that community you know and trauma obviously yeah but yeah we we do birth well mm -hmm. and and we're getting even better at it yeah yeah what do you think over the past years has been the difference, particularly at St. Mike's, in their reception of doulas? And that's hard. That's hard. That's a hard one, I think, for Kim and I because because we work there and we're known there. So I have great, great reception and rapport with the nurses and stuff there. But that's just because I'm there all the time. So that's hard to say. As if uh, like other doulas who who come from the outside, who are not there a lot. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I can't. Yeah. I mean, I will admit sometimes they're like, if there's a nurse I haven't worked with before, I haven't met before, you know, I kind of get this like, mm. Mm -hmm. what I would get at any other hospital. Yeah. Yeah. But I, yeah, I can't, I can't say the majority of the time I, I, the nurses that we have are known know me and are known by me so it's hard to it's hard to say yeah when i yeah H how about in general how about you steph in general what has you have you noticed any changes in how you've been received at hospitals over the years i'm trying to think of like it along the lines of there's general reception right there's or you know just shit that flies now that wouldn't have flown before um like the advocacy of a indigenous woman getting smudged at the hospital like that's still just blowing my mind it's <laughs> yes absolutely an act of humanity that mm -hmm. shouldn't be a big deal but it is a big deal 
yeah. and it paves the way for solutions for other people who want to embrace that, who that's going to be important to their, this process for them, to this leg of their journey. Mm. Um, but I find the same, maybe the same thing along the lines of doulas. If I'm, like I'm thinking just even the past decade, walking in now anywhere before many, many times it was, are you the sister? Are you the aunt? Are you, are you the mother? Are you I the fucking mother? get that one again. I'm going to punch somebody in the face. <laughs> um, <laughs> but now I hear a lot more. Oh, are you the doula? If they don't know me, I'm like, fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I am. Please direct me towards. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, even 10 years ago, I didn't hear, oh, are you the doula? Or if I did hear it, it wasn't necessarily received. It, the tone was different. Now it's, what, are you the doula? <laughs> oh, you oh the doula? the doula. That's what we'd like to hear. Oh, a yes. doula. Nice. I oh, what's that? Awesome. You know? When I walked into my last, that same birth, um, the, there was lots of nurses at the nurse's station and the one charge nurse that I love, who's the best ever. And uh, she saw me and she said, hi, Suzanne, are you here for her? Okay, yes, but she's in that room there. And I was just, oh my God, that's perfect. That's exactly how I would like to be greeted and just directed to where I need to go and my role acknowledged. She actually, she actually greets me now. Yeah. She's oh. like, oh, hi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love her. Yes, I love her so much. Yeah. So. But Steph, I was going to say, I think, I mean, one huge change that I saw um, was a birth that you did um, a while ago with that one doctor at North York General uh-huh. um, who I cannot stand working with and refuses, I absolutely refuse to work with them ever. When you had that doctor, um, that client was like squatting mm-hmm. and they were reaching underneath and this particular doctor I'm pretty sure never would have done that in the past and I was like oh my god if that can happen oh anything can happen anything is possible yeah. well what's interesting is he did that at her first birth but not at her second at her second oh. he did other things that were way out of line so and things that a nurse called him on because he's way past his prime and shouldn't be doing these things well i had (laughs) i actually had him in with a client and i'm pretty sure because i have no proof of this this is just my gut feeling but i'm pretty sure that he was so resentful of me being there Mm -hmm. that he was literally as she was pushing holding that baby in and wow. then ended up delivering that baby with forceps, which I think was unnecessary. Now, I'm not medical. I can't prove any of that. I can't say any of that. But I'm pretty sure he was punishing her because I was there. Because you have a doula. He actively yeah. says, I don't under, he'll say in front of you as a doula. He has no, you know, chill about it. Um, he will actively say, I don't understand why you think you need a doula. I can do all the things a doula can do. He goes, I will get bullshit. And you know something? I'm too old to put up with that bullshit these days. Like I immediately would, I would, I would throw caution to the winds and I would say, is that so? Well, you are wholly misinformed just because you have an MD pass after your name. You don't have a CD after your name. And my friend, those are two different things. And I would say straight up to him, you're wrong. 
because I'm, I just don't give a shit anymore. I know that a lot of maybe newer doulas would be totally intimidated by that attitude, but not, 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 I mean, nope, not me. I'm not, I'm going to tell him off if he says that. Bullshit. Honestly, seriously, because you know what? You're not going to sit there and I can't, I can't do what he does and he can't do what I do. They're two different things. So you're, you're basically saying is that I'm providing unskilled labor that anybody can do. Thanks. Yeah. Fuck you. There was that I can get underneath you and catch your baby however you want. I've been doing this for a long time. I do it all. I just like a midwife. And I'm like, I'm not just like a midwife. I am not just like a doctor and I'm not getting underneath there to catch your baby. No, and that's if, your if job. I did, if I didn't say to him right there in the, in the birth room, because maybe it would upset my client or something, he is getting an email. He's getting an earful of a letter afterwards. And I would tell him off from, I, Oh my God, that would make me so mad. Oh no, yeah. he and I had a full consultation together sitting down just the two of us. Cause I said, I think we need to go over the things that you are concerned about because I don't understand what those things are. And he gave me a list of things. I'm like, are, are you sure that these, so we were talking about essential oils too. He's like, this is a scent free zone. And I'm very upset when doulas come in here bringing their essential oils. And I said, I have no essential oils and clients often use their own. And are you sure that these are doulas bringing in their essential oils? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't like walking into a room and smelling all of that. I'm like, then talk to your client about it. Yeah. Yes. Are you blaming the doula for stuff that makes you uncomfortable? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Essential yeah. oils are not a part of every doula's repertoire. It's not some sort of doula standard or something. So again, misinformed. Exactly. Well, that, that was the informed part was that my client was waiting. Her waters had released and at 12 hours she had come in. Or sorry, at right away she had come in and um, he had wanted to induce her right away. And she was like, oh no, I just want to find find out the baby as well and stuff and there was coercion there and so she messaged me I'm not knowing exactly what's happening just that she had gone in and she asked me about what common induction methods were like and I said well here's the SOGC guideline on induction of labor at term with PROM um, or with AROM um, or sorry PROM and she uh, and that was it and I didn't hear back from her for a while and then she was upset and calling me and saying well they're they don't she chose the, the route that she wanted to go for induction after 12 hours. And by the time I got to the hospital, he believed that I had given her, he's like, why did you tell her that she could do this? I'm like, well, actually I didn't. I sent her the list of options for induction that's listed on your SOGC website. And he's like, well, that's not up to you to do. I said, yeah, it is. What do you mean? What? Is this not a public document? Yeah, it's your, it's your information. And that's what I just kept saying to him. This is your information. This is your... And is it secret? Is it... Why did they well, write... Well, it is now. Patience. Yeah, it is now. But... Um, You're the reason. You're the reason they, hide, they hit you that keep, page you now. Keep this is your fault. People about their options, Stephanie. So then they took the document away so that now nobody can see it. <laughs> you have to pay for it and become a member. Actually, if you go... You can still view all of it through the JOGC. Oh, okay. Yeah, you just have to, because then they have to reference the SOGC, but the SOGC doesn't have it any longer. Mm. So, mm-hmm. the back door now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but anyhow, that, I would like to say that that has changed, but it hasn't. It His peculiarities remain. Oh, um, he's a dick. But that's a, I think, of course, when we talk about across the board, they're, they're in the process now of... Um, 
being more transparent to that hospital in general due to all of the doc all the stuff with Dr. Shuin and stuff that was going on. Yes. Well, and actually the last, I was there earlier or later last year and actually my client was told that they could bring essential oils, which oh. I found, yeah, which I found highly surprising. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she brought a diffuser with her. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, they asked that she keep them in plastic baggies or, um, they asked that they were brought in in on uh, cotton batten mm -hmm. and Tupperware or plastic baggies. Yeah, which is what I do if my clients indicate that that's something that they would find helpful. Yeah. Um, so there's something that's changed in the past 15 years: an explosion of people using essential oils. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolute explosion. Yeah. For massage, aromatherapy, uh, whatever. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's true. That's changed a bit too. Uh, the use of tools, peanut balls, it being in all the hospitals now, that's a new thing um, and a good thing. And thank you to West End Mamas. And to, yes. To Dr. Mickler for putting, Sarah Mickler for putting all those in there. Jesus, what an mm -hmm. undertaking that was. I cannot thank her enough for that. Yes, and because peanut balls are magic. And now nurses using them, nurses using those tools. Yes regularly just as routinely suggesting hey let's do this let's do the peanut ball that's also new that i i'm something that i love also yeah. but i mean that's just it the practice has shown it to be you know they didn't need somebody saying use this because this will happen they've done it or they've seen it happen and now they're all on board for it too which is great mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um the tolak board yes that I've seen at different hospitals, that's new. Trial of labor after, CESA, after cesarean, that's new. That they're actually looking at that, keeping, which tells me that they are actively and consciously trying to encourage VBACs. Now, yes. Location for that motherfucking shit. Generally speaking, yeah, and you're the VBAC queen. So, what do you, have you seen any sort of shift in attitudes around that? Um, it, you know, what's really interesting is there's a client I'm working with who currently has, and strangely, so she has shared care um, with midwives and with uh, an OB. And the OB is very, when I say VBAC wise, so hands off, we don't interrupt it, we don't irritate it, we don't do anything to try and encourage a labor outside of keeping the body well. Um, treating the body well, keeping stress levels low, um, and even recommended to the client that you have a well-established labor at home before entering the hospital, acknowledging that she might not be the physician who's there. However, I, I, the, I am in utter confusion at this time that her midwives at a very early stage have begun twice weekly stretches of a VBAC client. Um, early acupuncture, early use of a beverage to get things going, and she has just hit term. Um, so what we need, and I've seen more VBAC being spoken about openly, which is lovely. I have not seen a huge increase in people who are VBAC educated, or 
even I, and I see it all the time in my groups with birth professionals and with those who are experiencing wanting to move forward with a VBAC, where they're like, what can I do to get my baby to engage? Well, nothing. It's not a process that needs your assistance. You need to stay healthy, keep moving. Your, it's kind of like what we were talking about, sleep, health, move your body, take care of the vessel. The labor is triggered by the baby. It literally has nothing to do with you other than having the vessel healthy. You need to listen to what your body needs, address that, and wait for your baby. I get, if we are irritating things or trying, and this goes really for anybody, I understand when there's an urge to get the baby out. There's something that said baby's going to do better on the outside world than the inside. We're really thankful we have things that can kind of shake the pen a little bit, but, um, or help us get that baby out. But otherwise, I feel like there's this huge drive to convince women in their third trimester that they're broken, that something is broken if your baby hasn't come by 40 or 41 weeks. Um, and when, especially you guys, doulas who are listening are saying, how can I help my, my client to get into labor? Or my client has had um, Braxton Hicks and it doesn't, it's not turning over into active labor. What can I do to help? You can help her calm the fuck down. You can help normalize it. You can, you know, ask her to go maybe for some tea ask if you want to meet downtown for some tea or something um, to normalize this in, this period of in between and stop trying to make shit happen. It, it really, this is why it's so stressful because there's an underlying tone that you need to do something. It is not your process to do. Labor is your process to do. Mm -hmm. Trying to force your baby out of your body is not your process to do. There's nothing wrong with you. And I, see this even more in VBAC women who have been told that their pelvis is too small or their baby is too big. I see it even more in them than anybody else. And it drives me around the fucking bend. Or that your baby needs to be engaged for labor to start. No, it doesn't. No, no. it doesn't. No, especially second time around. They don't drop till the, like, right before. Fucking kids float all over Hell's Half Acre. Fuck yeah. And was transverse, facing up until I was in labor. He was not well engaged. He was not well applied. He was off to the side, hitting, like, I felt him pushing into, like, one side of my pubis so much more than the other side. Not happy. And this kid was so fucking long, too. But um, playing with his, my, my ribs with his toes. And uh, labor does its job. Listen to the labor. Listen to your body. But that it drives me crazy, that this VBAC shit. I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, and <laughs> actually, you know what? I love family-centered cesareans, ones where someone has decided because of their own emotional well-being, their own emotional health, their own mental health, um, or just physically. I've gone through the details and I want, I understand the risk that of accretia. I understand the risk of, um, of second pregnancy after this like, and the risk of surgical birth. But my joy will be founded in creating this. I want people to also have that with the right information. Yeah. That is my, again, aren't we ranting today? This is my, <laughs> not, so the bottom line, no, I haven't seen a huge improvement in VBAC care mm, at all. Okay. And when I see these trial of labor boards, I'm like, motherfucker, how many of you tried to get that person induced? How many of you had your fingers up in there? And then at 41 weeks, labor isn't starting, baby isn't low enough, we might as well go straight to cesarean. Yes. Uh, what counts as a trial of labor after cesarean? Yeah. An induction, getting your finger in there and getting them into prodromal labor, but it didn't turn into active labor, so they had a failure to progress, and now you gave them a section. Mm. 
I want details, man. Well, I'm going to bow down to you because you're the VBAC queen. So <laughs> you say there hasn't been a lot of change? No. There's more talk. People like to talk and say they're VBAC supportive, but telling someone they have to have a C-section at 40 weeks if baby hasn't, if, if you're not favorable, is not VBAC supportive. Mm. Get another provider. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Again, how long have you ranting? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, there's been, there are so many more doulas nowadays than there were, than the, that's a big change. I love this that. amount of doulas that are out there in the world. I don't know if I love it. <laughs> I love it. I kind of love it. I love and it. I kind of don't love it. There's it just so means that the community is harder to, it's good to have diversity of opinions and experiences and so on. Um, and other kinds of diversity. It makes the community a little bit harder to, when it's small and intimate and cozy, that was one way of being that, that I liked. Um, and now it's huge. The, the amount of doulas that are in Toronto alone is enormous. Yeah. And that's good because pe more pe that means more people can access the service, right? So that's, that's a good thing. It's just my personal thing. Then so there's a greater risk for, you know, the multiple amounts of doulas fucking shit up. Yes. Right. That's what I mean. Like it's unwieldy. Not that we want to control the doula no, community. No, of course not. But, but the more people you have, the more you're going to, the more chance you have of somebody being a, a rogue. You're going to get a rogue in there every once in a while. And yes, making things difficult for the rest of us. But that goes for any line of work. There's dicks everywhere. Yes. Yep. 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 <laughs> true, true. True. In healthcare, we see there's such a variability. And, you know, again, I think this, so many OB residents fucked it up for this one OB resident who is breastfeeding eligible. She's like, oh, Exactly. There you go. Yeah. Perfect example. Yeah. Full circle. Right. Full circle. Full circle. But I, I love that there's been a fresh influx. I think it's necessary. I think. Yeah. You know, it really gives us the option, I think, of stepping out of it without being too stressed, so long as we can pass along the knowledge through mentoring and such. Um, you know, there, there's no, I don't know, I don't really see any downside to it. There's, it's really normalizing the act of support, of engaging support for such an important time in your life. The, the pendulum is swinging. We went to this whole crazy place of independence, you know, of valuing being solo valuing valuing doing everything yourself and that's just bullshit you mm -hmm. know it's absolute bullshit i do think you should be allowed to i think so many people have to choose their family now we don't live communally anymore we don't even live around our parents anymore or our aunties or our, our siblings so being able to ch basically choose your support i think that's fucking awesome in the current state we live in it's it's essential yeah, it's necessary. And budgeting for it where where necessary, and we're seeing more programs come out where people are insisting on um, on low fee uh, expenses for families who need it. You know, there's more people who are tapping into um, you know benefactors and stuff who want to put their money towards a program like that. And I think where that normalizes, we're going to be able to lean on the government a little bit more. And hopefully get grants and stuff like that put in place for more of that because yeah. on the other side of that besides humanity 
it is better for the mental health of families, for the physical health of families, for all the things that make, I don't know, for the direction I want my Canada to go. Yeah. yeah. If, if we can really, really prove that, that these two things are connected, then hopefully we can start seeing more grants and more opportunities for grants and bursaries and programming that's government funded. Mm-hmm. And uh, more, the more voices we have asking for these things, the more likely they are, uh, the more likely they are to happen. And uh, the more doulas that are graduating from doula, it is crazy out there. I'm just looking out my window. Oh my God, it's so blowy. And it looks like half tornado, half blizzard. Look, it's not actually snowing, but anyways, this is Ken. blue skies here. It's very blowy. It's very windy. I can see my, my neighbor across the street still has Christmas decorations on her tree. <laughs> but, um, and they're whipping around like crazy, but it's absolutely blue skies and bright here. Oh, yeah. no, I'm gray, but no wind. Like a little bit of wind. So windy here. Um, yeah, so anyways, I'm saying that the more diversity we have in terms of culture, uh, racial diversity, and so on, the more um, doulas of color can get together to help families of color who have traditionally been the people who've been left out, left on the margins, and so on. And that's always a good thing, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, so do we want to do the birth story? What What's our time like? I don't know. Unfortunately, this doesn't time, so I don't know. Okay. I mean, we've been, I think we've been about an hour. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, if you hold on one sec, I will pull up this birth story. What else? Is there anything else that's really changed much? I mean, I've changed a lot. I've changed. <laughs> How I doula has changed. I mean, again, many, many, many moons ago. You know what else has changed, I think? I, I see, and I just recently went through this, a sense of entitlement. Um, oh, right. Yes. Oh, yes. Here's I remember this. Yeah. About where they think my position is in their, in their care. Yeah. Uh, and many, many, many moons ago, I think I had that one in such a span of time that it was like an assault to my senses. And now I'm always just kind of aware of the subtle messages that state that I'm an employee. And I, I equally, I get the people who totally welcome me as a as a partner into their into their support. And mm. the, but I've also seen recently, like just blatant blatant shit, like like the 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 husband in the background going, I don't even know how she stays in business um, if she's not accommodating. I'm like, seriously? Yeah, that's what he said. You heard him say that. This is the partner talking in the back. That shit. Yeah. I'm not the doula for you, buddy. See you later. Bye. Yeah. I, I said, I am happy to pass you along to somebody. And I'd said this before, pass you along to somebody where evening meet, evening and weekend meetings make sense for her family, for herself. Mm -hmm. um, I said, I, but I have business hours because in the evening, my time is for my family and it's for my weekends are for my family. It's I, I like my husband. I want to see him, <laughs> you know? Um, and so that's just, these are my business hours. Just like Target has business hours. These are my business hours. I mean, I can understand people saying, oh, those business hours don't work for me. I'm so disappointed. But to yeah. question your right to have business hours is what blows my mind. Yes. And so this happened in a two piece. So I spoke the first time and it was about me not having evening hours. And then the second time she called back and I think it just hadn't been 
um, I, and it, it happened in the email, like in the email I put in, here are the, my next avail, I always give the next week's availability. Um, and she's like, well then I totally respect your, your ability to not do evenings, how about weekends? No, <laughs> I go to the barn with my kids on the weekend, it's my weekend. Yeah. And fully available fucking weekend for your birth and so outside of being fully on call for you and available to call text and email um my meetings are very specific i have i just have business hours that's all um and then like just the commentary in the background was just i was like what <laughs> i am not the doula for you and i yeah. said no, i could i'm happy to pass you along to somebody else um and uh she said, okay, I will, um, she goes, if you could reply to my email. Um, and so basically what I ended up doing is just directing them back to the AOD site. I said, there are plenty of, of doulas here who list their, list their availability. Please go check it out. That, that, it just, it blows my mind. Yes. And that is a sense of entitlement that, um, and it also has this shade of, uh, sexism in there because why are you questioning if you're hiring a lawyer so this this business is about women's work right quote unquote women's work the work that we do is considered women's work the clients and the people that we actually work for or support are are women or who identify as women so therefore we should be more accommodating because isn't that what women do well, we this, bend yeah. over, we yeah. make things nice for, we, so when people, when you don't do that, when you're not all, oh, sure, absolutely, that works, then, then they get offended and people get their back up when in every other situation where you're hiring somebody, whether it's a plumber, whether it's uh, any service industry, you're going to a restaurant, you're, you never question their business hours but your business hours, but our business hours are questioned when it doesn't accommodate theirs. They make time. People make time to go to their doctor's appointments and their midwife appointments. And, so, yeah, exactly. And everything else. And it's just, it's, you've chosen to engage a service. Some services have certain hours and some, some, it might even be the same service have different hours. Again, you mentioned plumber, electrician. Often those guys have day hours and then they have their emergency hours. And you know what? Their emergency hours are more money. So. Yes, that's right. And we're not saying if you have your baby, if you if you call me at three a.m. to come to your birth, I'm going to charge you more. No. So, oh wow, that that's crazy. Yep. And you are going to get it. And that and that's how it is for um, doing. It's, oh, I just get so mad when I think about it. Well, you know the the Human Rights Tribunal recently came back about the the pay equity for midwives. Yes. Acknowledging that because again it's women's work. It has been traditionally it, it, downgraded, underpaid, undervalued, et cetera. Yeah. And these people are embodying that with their attitude. I wish that they could see the conversation. Like when you posted that experience on Facebook, I wish that they could hear what people had to say. I wonder if it would, it would dent their, their thinking. I doubt it. Well, you know, a little while ago, it came up in a completely different site. Um, um, I think it was on a VBAC site or something, and someone was had mentioned it, and I said, oh, yeah, that, um, she was upset. A person who, who was pregnant was upset that um, 
her doula had only had business hours and a couple other people popped in and said, well, everyone had business hours, you know, um, just things that work for their family, just like you do. Um, but then interestingly, a midwife popped on and basically said that a doula shouldn't have the right to that and that her job is service. And so she needs, she needs to work around the family. And I'm sitting there thinking, and this came from a midwife. And so it goes to show how heavily indoctrinated we are to even within women's work to be offended when other women put value on their time, you know, like, or when they even deem to decide that their time is valuable and that that means it might not be for everybody, that you don't have to be for everybody. Mm -hmm. So it's, it was interesting to see that, that, that attitude pop up from one birth worker to another birth worker. Yeah. I, I mean, midwives have clinic hours. Are they going to open up the, go to the clinic and open up the clinic and, and do a prenatal at 7.30 because that's what works for the, their clients? No, no. I, know of, I know lots of midwifery offices that are not even open at all on Fridays. And yeah. they're only open to like three and or four. And they decide. But the, the point is that the, the midwives and the administrators who work in that practice, they decide what their clinic hours are going to be. They don't work around what the client's hours are. They work, they decide what their clinic hours are and that's, and then people need to come to them. You figure it out in your life. This is what I'm available. That's the service you chose. Yeah. But again, if I'm not your doula, if I'm not, and I'm absolutely okay with just saying, okay, I totally understand that for your value system, for your job, for what, whatever, um, my schedule doesn't work for your schedule. I mean, that happens so often in, in every realm of life. So it's okay to say, oh, can you pass me along to somebody where these hours where I need to meet work will, would work? It's not personal. I'm not taking something from you. It's just if you want to work with me, for my personal service, then that this then this is what it is. It's very clear. I love the I love the clear setting of boundaries for you. And um, and, and it's always this way. There was a time where evenings worked better for me. Yes. It was cool. Yes. You know. And now they don't. Back when I only had you I've know. I've toyed with the idea, back and forth. I've toyed with it. Um, but I, I'm I, I will do evening meetings. Um, yeah. But I, I've decided that I will not do private classes on the weekends. I'm not going to take a a, no. a a weekend that I'm not teaching at the hospital and then do insert yeah. some other stuff. No, that's my weekend and that's it. So you decide if you want a private class, it needs to be in the daytime. So I've done, I've, I, that is one boundary that I have about um, meeting with clients. And there's lots of postpartum doulas who choose not to work on weekends. There's oh, hell people. yeah. Oh, I don't work on weekends postpartum either. No. Lots of postpartum doulas who do step up and that's all they do is weekends because that's what works for them. They want to be home during the week. Yeah. And which is awesome because there's a huge there's a huge market for weekend postpartum doulas. Yeah. A lot of people who work shift work over the weekends and so their partner's not there and they need a weekend doula. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Something for everybody. Exactly. There's a doula out there for you if that's what you that's the thing that you want. Hmm. Absolutely. So I have this birth story. Can we take a quick break so I can pee and get some water and then do the birth story? Oh, just pee right, go, just go. Take your, take your computer with you to the bathroom. <laughs> no, you know I'll do that. No, no, sit there. You'll have to listen to my stream. I, no, Kim will mute you. I did it and she just muted me so you didn't hear my pee. 
but then you can't hear me talking. Yeah, that's true. Is it a long story? Do we, I don't know how to stop and I guess. I, over. Uh, I guess I can pause it. Actually, I'll just go from here. You guys can. Yeah, don't, don't fuck up the technical shit, man. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing half the time. Yeah. All right. Well, here we go. All right. The birth story of Layla. I love that name. So do I. It was my, it was my second choice for, no, it was on my short list of girl names for, but then, um, Nadia's father chose Nadia. So whatever. Nadia. <laughs> but you're not bitter. Not at all. All right, here we go. Before pregnancy, everything I knew about labor was based on dramatic births in movies and terrifying tales from other mothers. This made me sure of two things. It couldn't happen without an epidural, and there was no way I'd let anyone capture and share this experience with anyone. Everything changed after hearing a few positive birth stories that flipped my perception of experiencing pregnancy and birth. Under midwife care, I was informed, given choices, felt empowered to make this experience something I could do in the way that suited me best. Hypnobirthing enhanced this perspective and allowed me to further understand our bodies are designed to do this, so there's nothing really to be afraid of. It felt like an extension of the principles I learned in yoga, especially the reminder that the breath is a powerful tool for controlling both the body and the mind. The birth plan really was to go with the flow. We had been designing and renovating our tiny apartment over the duration of the last year, ironically converting our two-bedroom apartment to a one-bedroom because we thought that it would just be the two of us. Since I feel most relaxed in water, we are most, and we are most comfortable at home, it felt most ideal for me to have the baby at home in a big, comfy tub. I'd physically and, and mentally prepared for this as best I could and did the things as I usually would. Hope for the best, prepare for the worst. At the end of the day, in the words of the rebel mama, the goal was get the baby out safely and anything beyond that is a bonus. The day before Layla. I was very active during my pregnancy and was keen to carry on with life as usual until my baby decided to arrive. On my second last day of work, about seven days before my due date, I noticed a pinkish red discharge that seemed unusual. So I notified my midwife and messaged my doula to see if that meant labor was imminent. The answer was not necessarily. So I carried on with my day, listened to my body resting when needed. I rested in the morning, met friends for lunch, worked half a day in the office, walked home and carried on with my dinner plans. I felt an occasional back pain mixed with cramping through the day that had progressed to roughly eight minutes apart by the end of the day. I messaged my doula to let her know that she'd hear from me in the morning if things progressed. I let go of the energy invested in counting on timing between each surge since I knew my body would just do its thing when it was time. That being said, as mentally and physically prepared as I was for birth, our space was not. My partner, Bavesh, had yet to read the birth tub instructions. We hadn't practiced inflating it to see if there was any air leaks. We were midway through installing some cabinets in the kitchen, and we had just finished a small update to our bathroom. There was still a mess of tools around. Um, the night Bavesh cleared out and scrubbed the tub so I could relax a bit before heading to bed. And while I was in there, he read the birth tub instructions, ordered a hose to fill the birthing tub for the next day from Amazon Prime. Love that Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. At midnight, I woke Bavesh up to ask him to provide some counter pressure against my lower back every time I felt a surge, which was about four every four minutes and lasting for about a minute. 
At 2 a.m., I waddled back into our bathtub since the surges were increasing in strength and frequency. I continued to focus on deep breathing, emphasize my exhales to relax between each wave. We agreed now might be a good time to set up that birth tub. At four, I felt that the pacing had increased to one minute long and three minutes apart, so we called our midwife team. Lisa, our midwife, returned the call and timed each surge over the phone, then suggested I let things progress and rest up in between. So as prescribed, I popped open a bottle of wine we received from New Zealand, had a glass, and went back to bed. I notified my doula, Stephanie. That's me. Mm -hmm. She arrived at 8 a.m. and suggested I pop back into the tub. This relieved Bavesh since he had been darting back and forth every few minutes for the last four hours, trying to support my lower back in the bathroom while he set up the birth tub in the living room. Steph knew exactly where I needed counter pressure and suggested I do a small inversion similar to a puppy pose in yoga to get a better position for my baby who was entering, um, or sorry, to better the position my baby was entering the pelvis so it relieved some of the back pressure. It worked marvelously and the pressure in my back greatly reduced. As I continued to focus on my breathing in the, bath, in the bathtub, bathroom bathtub, um, Steph fed me small spoonfuls of berries and sips of water to keep me energized. Meanwhile, Bavesh dashed between the kitchen and the living room, filling up the water in a very large pot we had, pouring it into the birth tub as soon as it was heated. Since the hose had yet to be delivered, he ended up doing this for four and a half hours. At 9.30, Lisa arrived and suggested she take first look at my first check of my cervix. Much to my relief, I was fully dilated. She had just removed her hand, confirming that my water had not yet broken, and there was a comical water balloon-like splash that shot my amniotic fluid across the bed. So I can, uh, I can say that it was actually comical. It hit the midwife across her chest. It hit me all down my leg and uh, soaked the bed. It yeah. was pretty amazing. Um, tsunami. It, yeah, it was a tsunami. It just And she was literally just sitting there explaining that the waters were still intact when boom, they blew <laughs> Um, and this was with her hand out, like we were just chatting. Lisa, Stephanie, and Bavesh were committed to allowing a water birth to happen. So I lumbered into the tub and they tag teamed to support me while they prepared for a water birth. Even though at this point the birth tub was half full, optimistically speaking. Our second midwife, Corinne, arrived and intermittently checked the heartbeat of my baby as I exhaled through every push. She was breathing baby down, doing some lovely J breathing. The tub was now sufficiently filled, so Bavesh took the liberty, this is 11 a.m., to put a record on. Being in the tub allowed me to move easily between positions and either, that either came naturally or were suggested to ease my baby down. I was relieved to hang limp on the tub during the more generous rest breaks. During the second phase of labor, I put every last ounce of energy into alternating between relaxing and pushing. With one last push, at 11.57, our little baby emerged. Bavesh caught her underwater and gently placed her on my chest as she exercised her powerful lungs. We were thrilled to finally meet this little person and at that time named her Layla. At 12.05, within a few minutes of stepping out of the tub, I delivered our placenta while Layla was examined. I was glad to hear she was healthy and well. She latched well and distracted me while my abdomen was massaged and I received a few stitches. I'm thankful for local anesthetic. I was pleased to stay in bed, eat some comfort food, and relax while Layla fell asleep on my chest. We enjoyed our first afternoon together as a family at home in bed. At 8 p.m. that night, the package arrived containing the hose from Amazon Prime. <laughs> <laughs> Good timing. 
short epilogue here. I'm grateful not only for a positive birthing experience, but for a smooth postpartum recovery. It's difficult to enter a new phase of life, adjust to a new sleep schedule, and recover physically, all with the uncertainty of how to best tend a tiny newborn. Having postnatal support from my midwife team from the comfort of my home was relieving. Stephanie also provided breastfeeding support that strengthened our confidence. Layla was feeding well, growing beautifully. Being able to regain energy at home, receive help at home when needed, was certainly a key to a very smooth recovery. But the principles of hypnobirthing continued to help in this phase, encouraging me to use my breath to relax, calmly handle challenges, and most importantly, trust my natural instincts. The end. That's good. This oh, cool. Thank you to your client. Yes. I was so happy when she chose to share that. She chose to share it with myself, with the midwives, and to encourage us to post it on Instagram, Facebook, and everywhere where someone can read a positive birth story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About how important it was for her to undo and take apart some of the horror stories she'd heard. And she realized that in a lot of those horror stories, it wasn't actually the birth itself. It was the lack of understanding of things that were happening mm -hmm. and the lack of belief of this as a normal process. Mm -hmm. Um, she truly believed that um, it was scary because there, it was so risky, as opposed to sitting back and acknowledging risks, but that it's still normal to labor freely. That's yeah. great. Good. Thank you. Thank you you too can send in a birth story. I'm not even going to say it because I know you won't listen. We, we actually have two uh, in the Whoa. wings waiting. So, really? Yeah. Well, there we are. Same person, but two stories. So okay, we'll fine. have those for next week. Perfect. Oh, that was great. Thank you for being flexible with this Zoom meeting setup. I hope our audio is not too wonky. Uh, it's um, a little wonky. Thank you to our awesome tech person. David. Kim Kimberly Steven Fernandez. <laughs> Um, and, and, uh, yeah, thanks a lot. I'm glad. I'm so grateful that I didn't have to drive anywhere. Yes. Yep. Risk Stephanie's life on the, on the treacherous roads to. <laughs> At Mississauga to Scarborough stretch. No, yeah. no. Yeah. I actually do have to go out. I got to get dog food. Oh shit. So do I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I missed my walking track time at the Pan Am Center, so I'm going to have to go this evening. So, oh, well, that's all right. You can do it. The roads <laughs> will be better by then, too, so it's probably better. True. Back workout today. Yeah. All right. Well. Okay. Thank you, everybody. All right. We will, we'll catch you next week. Catch Bye. you next week. See you on the other side. Bye. Bye. <laughs>